Today's gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. This has been God's word for God's people. So in the gospel according to Mark, we find Jesus on multiple occasions inviting people into a new kind of life. Whether it's the disciples or blind Bartimaeus or the rich young ruler, each time Jesus invites a person into a new life, they're faced with a choice. And they must decide if they will receive the new life that Jesus is offering them or if they will hold on to the past. Will they receive the new life that Jesus offers or will they hold on to those things that have produced the life that they know? Will they receive the new life that Jesus offers or will they hold on to that thing that helps them to feel secure? Over the next uh, month or so, we're going to move through these stories together. And I invite you on these Sunday mornings to crank up the imagination. What would it look like if Jesus met me in the circumstances of these stories? Into what sort of life would Jesus invite me? What might I have to leave behind in order to receive the fullness of the life that Jesus is offering? The first occasion this happens in Mark chapter 1. And in verse 16 we read that as Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Now Simon and Andrew are probably like most other fishermen living on the Sea of Galilee during the first century. Uh, Old Test or New Testament professor Alicia Batten writes that most peasant fishing families were poor and they lived at, subs- at subsistence level while a small minority of elites held the bulk of wealth and power. We know that fishing licenses were required for access to certain areas, and fishers needed various raw materials such as wood for their boats and flax for their nets. She goes on to tell us that for Simon and Andrew, their net was their lifeline. It was the primary tool they needed to feed their families and make a living. Because if they didn't catch fish, chances are their family didn't eat. So it really is something here in the story when Jesus invites them into a new life of fishing for people. And they choose to follow him and leave their nets behind. Now given where we are in the world, uh, when we think about fishing, we tend to think about a leisurely activity that involves a pole and a lure and a hook. Uh, Something you do sitting on your Uncle Bob's dock 
with a can of Diet Mountain Dew in one hand and nachos sitting on a little table beside you. Right? Uh, you know, e- even, even when we think about professional fishermen, uh, we tend to think about this. Right? The stuff that's on ESPN, the Ocho, at 2 a.m. in the morning, the, the replays of the Okeechobee uh, Bassmaster Classic. Um, and if we don't think about this, maybe we think about this. You know, a fish farm where fish are grown and harvested. Now, and this is kind of strange, really, um, that this is our picture of what professional fishing looks like, considering we live so close to Lake Erie. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't before uh, just this week. Lake Erie is one of the most productive fishing grounds in the world. 31 million pounds of fish every year come out of Lake Erie. Mind-boggling. And by the way, that is 60% of all the fish that come out of the Great Lakes. So Lake Superior is, what, three times bigger than Lake Erie, but Lake Erie produces a ton more fish. Whatever. Anyway, so, so commercial fishermen, they don't use bait and hooks. They use nets, and it looks more like this. This is what commercial, like professional fishing looks like. It's a big net. It's, it's hard work. Um, and for Peter and Andrew fishing on the Sea of Galilee, there are some unique challenges that come with fishing on the, on the Sea of Galilee. Um, now, when we think about sea, we tend to think salt water, uh, but the Sea of Galilee is actually fresh water. It's, uh, don't tell anybody, but it's a lake. It's not really a sea, it's a lake. Uh, lake Erie is 100 times bigger than the Sea of Galilee. Little tiny lake in, in northern Israel. Um, it's fed by the Jordan River, and, and it's, uh, it's really shallow, and it's pretty small. And the problem with shallow, small lakes is that the fish stock can be really inconsistent. Um, just in 2010, they had to shut down all fishing on the Sea of Galilee because they were afraid that they were going to like kill off all the fish. There had been, been some weird environmental things, and people had been fishing with too small a nets. So for like five years in Israel, it was illegal to fish on the Sea of Galilee because of this fluctuating um, fish stock. So for a first century fisherman, they had to live in daily dependence on God to fill their, fill their nets with the fish they needed to survive. So when Jesus invites Peter and Andrew into a life of fishing for people, their experience as fishermen tells them that this life is going to be hard and that sometimes they're still going to come up empty. Which I don't know about you, is not my experience of fishing. Because for me, fishing isn't work. It's leisure. And I always catch fish. Sometimes they're small. And sometimes they're big. Pay no attention to where my finger is in relationship to the line there. That's actually the same fish, just... Anyway, but I always catch fish. That's the point of the story. 
So when we see Jesus inviting Peter and Andrew into this life of fishing for people, uh, my mental image of fishing is not at all helpful um, for understanding what Jesus is calling them to. Because Jesus isn't calling them to, to, to sit on you know, a, a folding chair with a, with a diet dew sitting on my Uncle Bob's uh, dock. This is an, an unhelpful image for understanding the life that Jesus is inviting Peter and Andrew into experiencing. Because what Jesus is inviting them into is a life of labor. It's a life of struggle. It's going to require just as much effort and just as much dependent on God's provision as their life fishing commercially in the Sea of Galilee. But the difference is that when they caught fish, it meant death for the fish. But when you fish for people, it means life. It's rescue from from slavery to sin and death. Jesus was not inviting Peter and Andrew into a life of greater leisure. He was inviting them into a life of greater purpose. And they left their nets. Their most precious possession, they left and followed him. They left their nets. This thing that provides them with some amount of economic security, they left it and they followed him. I mean, we've heard of safety nets. This net was literally their safety net. And they left it there on the shore and followed Jesus. They left their nets and they followed Jesus because much like William, they knew he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the one who would save God's people. Notice some of the details that that Luke includes in the story that Mark leaves out. Uh, In Luke uh, chapter 5, we read that Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, which is the same thing as the Sea of Galilee. Um, And the crowd was pressing around him to hear the word of God. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them, and they were washing their nets. He then got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night long, and we caught nothing. But at your word, I will lower the nets. Now, notice the clue into the fickle nature of, of fishing there on the Sea of Galilee. Picking back up in verse 6. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets started to tear. And so they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they were about to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's business partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. 
And so when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Now Simon's response is really interesting here. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Uh, This is the same sort of language that we find in Isaiah 6 when uh, Isaiah has a vision of heaven. And his immediate recognition that he is unworthy to be in the place where he has been. But we see Peter and Andrew leave their source of security, their primary labor tool, in order to follow Jesus. Because they recognize that Jesus wasn't just another dude. Jesus is unique. They recognize that that Jesus truly was the Messiah, that Jesus' kingdom mission was the only mission that ultimately mattered. So they dropped their nets and they followed him. As we place ourselves into this story, we must ask the question where do we find our security? Are we willing to surrender that? To Jesus. The way Jesus calls his disciples in their response embodies the relationship that God has always desired to have with his people. God wants us to trust him completely, not only to save us from our sin, but to provide for our needs, both physical and spiritual. And if we have placed our trust in something other than God, we shouldn't be surprised to learn that it has become an obstacle to being a fearless, selfless follower of Jesus. And I think for a lot of us, um, our phones can be an obstacle to being a fearless, selfless follower of Jesus. Because at any moment, I can ask Siri a question and be given the top-rated answers the internet has to offer. How did I know that Lake Erie produces 31 million pounds of fish annually? Hey Siri, how much? Oh, she's not talking to me now. She knows I'm talking about her. And not only that, you know, on the phone we can be endlessly entertained by social media and streaming videos, and 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 and, and we can know what is happening all around the world instantaneously. Before we know it, we spend every moment of our days stimulated by the soft glow of the LED screen. You can order dinner, find a hot date, and be little a friend from high school, all from the comfort of your couch. Uh, just this past week, I noticed how addicted I am to running through my, my normal cycle of checks on the phone. At least once an hour, every hour that I'm awake, I open up my phone and I go to Facebook and then Twitter and then my email to make sure that I know if something is going sideways in my life. I want to know if, if there's something big happening in the world. I want to know if something's happening at the church that I'm going to have to clean up later. I want to know if if my kids have done something just nuts 
that I'm going to have to come home and talk Cindy off a ledge. I want to know what's going on in my personal life, in the life of our church, in the life of our denomination. I want to know every news story because I am addicted to the feeling of control I get when I finish my list of sites. And for just a moment, feel like I have a grasp on what's going on in my life in the world. Anyone else there? Okay, it's just me. Good. But if, if, if you are like me, you also know that this is a short high. And 20 minutes later, the anxiety starts to creep in. I wonder if anything's happened in the world. I wonder if anything's happened in the church. I should go and check again. We don't want people to know about the things that we don't know about. We don't want to be surprised. We want to have control of our lives. And if you're like me, my net is the internet. And the question that as we finish looking at this story, that we're wise to ask ourselves is what is our net? What in our life have we put our trust in? Where are we trying to find greater security and control? What do we need to submit to Jesus so that we can follow him and grow into a more fearless, selfless person? Because answering that question, Peter and Andrew couldn't have followed Jesus and carried their nets at the same time. And the question we continue to have to ask ourselves is, these places where we've put our security, where we've put our trust, where we have tried to manipulate the world around us so we can control it. Where do we have to walk away so that we're walking towards Jesus, so that we're walking into the life that he calls us into? And may we do it. May we have the courage to leave our nets at the side of the shore, not because Jesus offers us some sort of easy life, but because the life that Jesus is offering us is a life of greater purpose, is a life of greater joy. And ultimately... It's a life of greater security than we can produce for ourselves. Because really, while we might be able to have a grasp on our lives for 20 minutes at a time, God is able to hold us up entirely. So let's pray together.
Most holy and gracious God, we need your love. We need your grace. We need your provision. And we need your joy. Lord, this day give us the courage to leave our nets on the shore and follow you. Into a life of greater purpose. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.